You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Lori R. King is the author of the Mary Russell Sherlock Holmes novels. The first novel in this series was The Beekeeper's Apprentice. The latest novel is The Language of Bees. Thank you for joining me, Lori. It's been 15 years since you released The Beekeeper's Apprentice, and now we have The Language of Bees. We thought we'd have a party. (laughs) (laughs) And you're having it online. I'd like to ratchet back and tell us a little bit about how it felt to be to release that first book 15 years ago. Did you have any idea where you were going from then? Oh, I should say yes, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, that uh, Beekeeper's Apprentice was the uh, was the second book published. Um, <clears throat> it was the first in the in the Russell and Holmes series, but um, the, A Grave Talent had been published the year before. And didn't it win an Edgar? It, it, it did, yes. It won an Edgar, though, several months after The Beekeeper's Apprentice was published. But when you get one book going, um, the, the publisher then turns around and says to you, well, do you have anything else? And I said, well, I, I have this other book. Did you want to look at that? And they said, why, yes. And, and they bought it. Um, so it, it was, you know, looking back at the book, it's fairly obvious that was intended to be the first in a series of some kind. But with a new writer, you don't really know where you're going with any series. So um, I I look at The Beekeeper's Apprentice and am amazed, constantly amazed that it actually works as the first of a series because I didn't know what I was doing. And I kind of stuck all these odd clues in there that I could tag other books on, but didn't really know where it was going. But it, it seems to have worked. So... Um, that was that was 1994, and um, now nine books later, the language of bees. Yeah, I remember. I was as we were speaking earlier. I remember seeing that book at Aptos Bookworks with the little local author sticker on it, thinking, "Boy, new Sherlock Holmes kind of book. I like that. That sounds good." <laughs> yeah, the little the little gold and black cover with the sort of gleam and the shadow to it. It was a nice cover. Nice cover. Well, you have a new book out, the, the Language of Bees, yeah. and you're engaged another nice cover. Another nice cover, the <laughs> the, uh, the Stonehenge. It's the stones of Stennis in Orkney. In Orkney, yes, isn't it cool? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> now, I, I love these standing stones. Did you actually go visit that place? I did. Oh wow! And not to give anything away, but part of the book takes place there. Well, I, I'll be looking forward to finding out which part. Now, um, this book being in kind of an anniversary for you and, and you're throwing a party. Tell us a little bit about your planning for this. How long have you been planning to release <laughs> this book in, in the manner you have? And then we'll talk about the, the release itself. Well, I love the idea that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I had I had decided that I wanted to write this book a couple of years ago <clears throat> and um, had it all well underway. And I, I suppose the final final version in and the title all settled. And um, about November of last year, of 08, um, I suddenly thought, gee, The Beekeeper's Apprentice is going to be 15 years old. I really should do something. And then afterwards I thought, gee, I have another book out that has the word bees in the cover. It, it, 
in the title. Is, isn't that a sort of interesting coincidence? And, and then slowly the sort of wheels start turning and grinding. And I think I could do something with tying the two together. <laughs> so, you know, this is not brilliant marketing strategy. This is a sort of stumbling across ideas as you go. But we decided that, um, <clears throat> and I talked with a couple of my web people, and my, my daughter, who's helped me with a lot of this. And we decided that what we could do is, um, since the two books are about three months apart, um, The uh, Beekeeper's Apprentice was published in February, and The Language of Bees will be out the end of April. I thought, well, what if we called it 15 Weeks of Bees to tie together, and that would take it on past the tour. So from the 1st of February until the middle of May is 15 Weeks of Bees. And everything on the website is has bees dragged into it we've got a contest we've got drawings we've got uh, fan fiction we have a uh, if you go on the uh, the home page of the website which is lauriearking.com um, there's a really cool scrolling rustlescape down at the bottom that people have sent in drawings and the idea is that it makes a landscape that you can then scroll past um, that all the drawings connect. Some of them connect better than others, but um, it's that's the idea. And it's it's just really fun to see how the community of Laurie King readers has has gotten behind it and really just taken bits of it and run with it. It's been a blast. This is really great that you have such a good connection with your community of readers. That's a, I think, an essential tool going forward for for writers, and it makes I think your your work more interesting. I think. Well, certainly it's been interesting to, to look on it as, you know, sort of standing back from the whole process like this 15 weeks thing has been. Because what I would do is to say to, um, to someone, gee, we should, we should maybe have some kind of a presence on, on MySpace. Um, what if we had a Mary Russell page on MySpace instead of a Laurie King page? So in order to preserve the whole... Um, conceit of a Mary Russell page. The entire thing is written by Mary Russell, and it has her bio on there and her profile, her taste in books, her background, and she is blogging once a week during the 15 weeks. She blogs um, of the adventures of how she came to give these series of manuscripts, these memoirs of hers, to me. And uh, we are now, I think this is week 10, um, and we're we're getting onto the really exciting part of her of her memoir, so that this will be, as I say, once a week during the fifteen weeks, and at the end of it, we'll publish the whole thing as a sort of short story with fifteen segments in it. So, you know, it's 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 great fun. Well, this is really an interesting uh, metafictional conceit, <laughs> as is this whole series. <laughs> it I mean, really is. Yes. yes, the whole the whole business, as you say, of sort of standing standing back from the fictional world. And to say, hmm, that looks like a fictional world. Um, I've been playing with that from from the very first books where Russell um, comments in, I think it's the introduction to uh, to Beekeeper, how, how peculiar it is when she first realized that Holmes was considered by the world to be a fictional character. This was such a startling um, realization to her that she began to feel slightly fictional herself. <laughs> so, and having taken that, you know, point of view from the beginning, we've just run with it. So now she's writing about her fictional 
giving to me of these manuscripts as real life manuscripts and i i actually am real rick um there, there is a lori king <laughs> so, sometimes i get a little confused but it i think that's how it works is that i'm the real one here <laughs> I, I i can attest to you being actually here <laughs> <laughs> oh thank god for that <laughs> now um one thing that that interests me is the the fan fiction i mean fan fiction Lots of authors are not necessarily pleased with fan fiction. What was your uh, ori- first reaction? When did you first learn that people were writing fan fiction? Oh, they started early, 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 early. I got, this was before internet. I mean, hmm. remember the days before internet when people had to actually mail things? No. Um, yeah, in the old days, Rick, <laughs> um, I, would get, uh, I would get sections of manuscript or short stories in the mail from people saying that they thought I might like to see what they'd done with it. And I was so taken aback that a couple of them I mailed back and saying, basically, kindly permit these two individuals their privacy. (laughs) 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 Because honestly, you know, there's really, I thought, a rather unhealthy interest in the wedding night. (laughs) I thought, you know, honestly... I don't want to know. Just don't tell me. Yeah, yeah. Off but screen. I, off but screen. in the meantime, there's it's this enormous group of people who um, who have started a website um, that's totally devoted to um, to Mary Russell fan fiction. And of course, they don't try to actually publish it. And so long as it's not a, a commercial venture, um, legally, there's not much I can do about it, even if I wanted to. But I I tend not to have a great deal to do with it simply because I don't want to confuse my mind as with what I've written and what I've read. So mm-hmm. it's why I don't read a lot of Holmes pastiches and why I probably won't read very many Russell pastiches because I <clears throat> I, I have trouble keeping track my of my my own fiction much less someone else's version of it. So I um but in order to recognize these mostly women, a few men, um who just love Russell so much that they have to make stories up about her. I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, we always did this at kid, as kids. I'm sure that mm-hmm. y- you were one of those kids who Johnny played. Quest. Yeah. I, don't, there, <laughs> I wrote many adventures of Johnny Quest that exactly. never made and it to it the screen. Exactly, and it doesn't hurt anyone, and, you know, so long as they don't frighten the horses, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they're, they're doing one of the weeks of, um, of uh, 15 Weeks. The contest will be um, a fan fiction story, and people can submit to this this particular group, and they're going to be judging it themselves, so that I don't have to read them and get get my poor little mind confused. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've been also running a, a, a reading group of the of the Laurie King fiction, the Mary Russell books. Tell us a little bit about that. The virtual book club. Yes, it's really it's really been very very interesting. I started it. Um, Oh, I guess it's been two years ago. I didn't have a book out in 2007. So I asked um, a woman that I had met when she asked me to do an online chat um, for a, a site called Readerville. I asked her if she'd be interested in setting up a book club of some kind online. And I, I had very little idea about what this would entail, and I don't even belong to a real-life book club, much less a virtual one. But she got into the idea, and she <clears throat> we tossed ideas around and and played with formats. And she came up with a really, I think, very clean and usable format on the 
on the uh, the book club site, um, and it it's ended up having a, a really wide number of threads, um, including one of people who just adore um, challenging each other to find the quotes. You know, they'll throw a snippet out there, and it's sort of like that card game where you have to cover somebody's card as fast and you're the first one down and say, I got it. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, somebody will say, we'll print a small quote or piece of dialogue and the others will try and guess where it's from and what's happening and who the people are. (laughs) This has gone on and on and on. I mean, there's page after page after page of this. It's such fun. I couldn't possibly do it. I mean, there's no way I would be able to get, I'd I'd have to, uh, I think that might've been from that book that was about it. (laughs) (laughs) But they have a great time with it. Um, But the key element in the book club is indeed the book discussion. And we do a different book every month. Um, mostly it's my books. Um, we will come to an end of my books this summer. Um, but we've also done half a dozen of books that are more or less related. So that, for example, before reading Locked Rooms, which has Dashiell Hammett in it, um, we read um, The Maltese Falcon. And uh, before reading um, The Game, which is set in India, we read Kim. Mm, mm. And it's been interesting, and I think they really like that. I think if we decide to start it as another whole cycle of of working their way through this, uh, the, the books, I think they may want to do a few more of the um, sort of vaguely related books. So it's been it's been really good, and there's a lot of people who have become very active on it. One of the interesting things that I have found is that it is um, a way of creating a community, a real-life community, um, as well as a virtual one. So that when, for example, I go to a conference, um, BoucherCon, for example, happens every fall. And when I went to BoucherCon in Baltimore this last October, there were a lot of people from the virtual book club who had met each other, you know, put met in quotes, um, <clears throat> online, and who set up a dinner for the, the the book club during the conference, and had a great time. Um, it was sort of like a, an expanded dating service or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these people who had had only this one small area of interest in common, nonetheless, found themselves uh, with a considerable friendship and have gone on to to really forge new friendships. So that has been an interesting thing for me to watch. Now, you are uh, also doing something, I think, very unique. And given that you you have a major publisher behind you doing this, it's it's really, uh, I think, uh, significant and notable. You're giving away free e-copies of your um, very first book, The Beekeeper's Apprentice. Tell yes. us a little bit about that. Well, Vicki, my web lady, set that up. She was convinced that <clears throat> by um, by offering a free download of a book, you are not avoiding the sales of that book. You are creating a new market for yourself. I mean, this is the argument that you have to use with the publisher. Um, and it it's too early to say if there's any result. Indeed, if there is any way of judging if there's a result. But the two or three people I know of who have done this, for example, Neil Gaiman did it a while back, um, have found that there is a 
an upsurge of people who then, <clears throat> you know, who don't download it and then go out and buy the book, whether it is that they want the physical book, whether it is that they want to give it to someone or to have it so that in case it is no longer available, I don't know. But it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting approach to uh, how, how you deal with free books. Writers have to worry more about not being known as opposed to somebody getting extra copies of their free copies of their books. The, the, the main foe of a, of a writer is, is obscurity, not, not uh, excess popularity. Well, certainly in, in, in modern times, I mean, there are just so many writers out there. And I am constantly astonished. I have been published since 1993. I have 19 books out there. Um, <clears throat> my publisher always advertises most of the books I've been on some kind of tour. My books have been reviewed in every mystery journal you can find. And yet when I go to a conference, invariably, I will have someone say, I've never heard of you. Now, a conference is a person where you have to love mysteries in order to go. I mean, that, you don't happen to go to a mystery conference if you don't read mysteries. But you sort of would think that somebody who goes to a mystery conference is going to be on the lookout for someone who writes mysteries. And for someone who's been published for 16 years um, and has 19 books out, you'd think, you haven't heard of me? <laughs> so it, that, is a, that is a constant surprise to me. And I think that's one of, the, uh, one of the interesting bits of potential in a free book is that it passes on among people who may have heard of you, may have heard of, oh, yeah, she's that one who writes the Sherlock Holmes books. I don't like pastiches. Um, you, you know, and... But because it's free and all you have to do is, you know, put your name down and it downloads, um, it's worth a risk. And then they think, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, the idea is they think those are cool and then think, hmm, well, there's nine more of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and I, and I think one thing that you're quite right about is that, you know, it's nice to, to download a book like that. And then you're standing in line at the bank, and you've got your little iPhone or whatever, and you start reading it. You know, you know what? As you say, this is good. This is great. But I don't want to read this whole damn thing on my iPhone, and nor do I want to read it on one of those stinky Kindles. You know, I like the people who read, like, books. <laughs> I, I, people read on those things. I don't know why, but they do. Now, um, tell us about your, your tour. When are, when are you embarking off upon it? I started tour on the 28th of April, the day the book goes on sale. And um, I'm pretty much on tour until for the next four weeks. Um, I've got, <clears throat> for the first time in 10 years, I'm on the East Coast. I'm doing five library stops which is really nice. I'm glad to be able to do libraries. We set this up ourselves, and I said, you don't mind if I do libraries, do you? Well, that's great. So, I didn't yeah. know people could tour to libraries. That's wonderful. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's a thing that, that so long as we're selling books from various um, you know, various bookstores, that which the libraries are generally happy to do. Every so often you run across a library that doesn't, but mostly, for the most part, they're, they're very good with that. And um, so I'm looking forward to doing library events. I really like doing them, and I always have to fight my way into it because, of course, library numbers don't go on to bestseller lists. I mean, <laughs> you, you can get 50 new readers, but they're all going to be putting their name down for the, the book at the library rather than standing at the bookstore. But, you know, 
I think it's a trickle up theory. They 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 get tired of waiting and get your next hardback when it comes out. So. Now yeah, you I I've started the book and I've read long enough, read far enough into it to to note that. Uh, as the book begins, without giving things away, yeah. <laughs> as, the, as the book begins, Mary Russell is reading uh, uh, the paper and looking through the, the agony column. The agony column. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to see that. It is, yes. Now, now, uh, tell you have a couple more adventures planned for them, don't you? There's always more adventures waiting for Russell and Holmes. Um, yeah, I I agreed with my publisher to do two Russells in a row because I haven't done one for two or three years. Um, I thought we could do two in a row, and they, they're they a pair that more or less ties together. So <clears throat> the, the the language of bees, um, although it's a complete story, it does have an ending to it, honestly. Um, it nonetheless ties in with the next one, and so they go from that directly into the next one, which I've actually just finished writing. I've just finished my first draft day before yesterday, so... Ah, it's always such a relief to get to the end and think, oh, it does have an end, and now I can rewrite. Um, so yeah, there's there's the two there's the two adventures right there. Now I have to ask uh, for your Kate Marnelli fans. Uh, you you brought her back recently, and are we going to see more of her as well? I would like to. I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing after um, the the next Russell and Holmes is the the working title is the Green Man. <clears throat> but I'm not sure what'll be after the Green Man for 2011, um, whether it will be a a standalone or a Martinelli or um, I'm thinking of making the characters from Touchstone from two years ago right I was into a sort of that. small series. So um, I thought they I, I I would look forward to seeing more of those. They grew on me. I had intended to make it a, a, a standalone period, um, but at the end of it, I thought, you know, there's a couple of characters in there that I'd like to see more of. So. Well, we'll look forward the to one, seeing the ones who don't die off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, of course, now with uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, uh, you can uh, <laughs> maybe you can bring them back to uh, an unholy life. Funnily enough, I've just been doing a um, an online um, chat the last couple of days at a blog called Bitten by Books, which um, the interests are largely paranormal. And uh, there's a lot of talk on that particular side about zombies and vampires. So one of the questions that, of course, we, we had was that, well, if Holmes and Russell are still active and racing around the countryside um, when they're well over 100 years old, um, is there something going on here? Have they got little scars on their necks? From <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, I've been speaking with Lori King. Her new book is The Language of Bees. Thank you for joining me, Lori. Thank you, and I hope people um, take a look at the events page on the website and find out where I am during April and May and come and see me. That's at lauriarking.com. And tell them that Rick's, Rick sent you. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Lori. Bye. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.